ready to rock? Ready. Boom. Sam, there's that. Yep. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Shop Talk podcast brought to you by 124Go. I'm your co-host, Chris Sulemay. And as usual, sitting here with my great friend, Mr. John Falmeri. Our knees are touching because we're sitting in a small office uh, in one of our locations, WebGen, which is a cranking salon that's uh, happening outside of these doors. So if you're hearing some background noise today, you'll probably hear some background noise, actually. there's a relationship there could be a relationship to that, but well, Grayson has a pretty small office too, doesn't it? Yeah, they do. But we have an amazing uh, guest today. You know, last year we had so many incredible guests, some of which we've been lucky enough to have a repeat conversation with, and we felt like some of which we want to have a we want to have a repeat conversation yeah. with. Today we have Allison Alhamid with us, and she was somebody that when we left we knew that there was still much more to unpack. Last year feels like six years ago. So much has changed not only in her life as it relates to a career, uh, some, a career shift. It's still inside of the hair industry, obviously. Um, going from being the editor at Modern Salon and being with that company for over 12 years and then shifting into the luxury brand partners world, which is really intriguing. I'm really excited to hear about. She's an expert in social media. We thought it would be really important to touch base with um, Allison again today. Welcome, Allison. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Happy to be back with you guys again. I loved what we talked about last time we were together and so much has changed in such a short time that I I feel like we're going to cover a lot of ground. You have always had a 30,000 foot view of what's kind of goes on in the industry as a young person. I mean, like when you were coming up inside of the modern salon world, eventually becoming the editor for, for modern salon. And then recently making a jump to luxury brand partners, which is, which is really cool. I'm looking forward to hearing about that as, and I don't know, I believe you came on board as a, a social media, possibly director, or is it media or give, give, correct me on that, Allison? Yeah. So I, I was brought on as VP of community and social media for R and co, which is one of the brands under LBP. That's awesome. Now, um, Luxury Brand Partners has a couple of different um, product lines, right? So we've got R&Co. Mm-hmm. What else um, is under the umbrella? So uh, we have R&Co, IGK, V76 by Vaughn, uh, Smith & Cult. We just launched One Star, which is a relationship with Patrick Starr, the makeup artist and YouTuber and influencer. We have a couple other lines launching coming soon. And we have In Common, which is Rihanna and Mickey Lee from 901 Salon in Beverly Hills. It's amazing learning kind of the family tree and who's who. So I've learned so much. They have cherry picked the best of the best from all the different brands that they've launched and sold and collaborated with. And they are working with just the creme de la creme when it comes to powerhouse leaders, powerhouse contributors. I actually sent my boss a text this morning, just wanted to start the day with gratitude and tell you how grateful I am every day to be here. And it's because of you and thank you so much. You know, what what you just kind of described there, I, I remember a few years ago, and it feels like it was right around the social media explosion time was when luxury brand partners kind of also exploded from an underground perspective, underground perspective. They started having like shows in Miami, I wanna say. And it was really interesting to see who they attracted because it was quite honestly, just from an outsider's perspective, and I say outsiders because I was working with a manufacturer. So I wasn't like, you know, able to sort of be a part of that underground. But the people that I saw going 
were people that were very interested in reigniting the creativity in hair and that hair has grown into this really big business. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of great business strategies. We kind of talked about this yesterday, sure. but the, the attention to quality mm -hmm. in some areas had lost focus, not everywhere, obviously, you know, I mean, that's a, a big statement to make, but these companies that LBP seemed to be focusing on were really attention to quality. Um, it, it, it's, it's been neat to see the evolution of um, that. And uh, I think it's pretty cool that you're there. So yeah, I'm, I'm super happy here. And it's crazy. You just, you said the word branding yeah. and I coming from the media side, our branding was the other brands that we worked with. Like we had to work really closely with this brand and their branding, this brand and their branding, this brand and their tone. And then this, 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 and, and aesthetics. Like when you look at a bottle of R and co, you could take the letters off and it still looks and feels like R and co. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with that brand before I ever even tried a single R and co product. And that's because of, the, the quirky, cool packaging and the names and just the vibe and the culture. And, you know, it's it formed by this collective of three rock stars. Like these are names I've seen throughout my career in the hair world. Garen, who's transformed celebrities and supermodels for 50 years. Howard McLaren, who's like the king of razor cuts. And then Tom Priano, who he's, if you look at any magazine, any major fashion spread, he's done the hair of these, of these male models. And he is just a grooming expert. And it's just really exciting. Like, it's cool to be a part of something um, that has so much history, yet it's still so new. The salon that I had, we were a Bumble and Bumble salon. It was the branding really just hit home with me to the point where I actually did some research on some of the influencers of that company's branding. Talk about that for a second, because I think there's such power as, as artists, as hairdressers, that we connect with that branding. We connect, we connect with that imagery. We look at packaging, we look at branding, and we make a judgment on the value and the, and the competency of that product based on the branding. When you think about when you go to a nice restaurant and the way your meal is presented to you and the plating, so much time has gone into just the just like what it looks like and how it's being presented to you even if it tastes the same like it's the way it looks too and the way you feel about it something can feel luxury just based on the packaging something can feel high performance like look, look look at a brand like dyson you know like everything is so cool and so sleek and the way everybody wants to, wants it i want a dyson fan in my home even if the fan has the same overall cooling effect i've got a dyson Mm -hmm. So I think that branding and packaging is critical in the overall reception, of, you know, how people engage with it and why they want to be a part of it. Like when, when Dyson launched its blow dryer, it was the first tool I ever brought home that my husband cared about. Yeah. He wanted to be with me when I opened it up. He wanted to take it out of the box and he wanted to hold it. Like it was exciting, you know? Right. And I think that when, when you see something and it causes that reaction like oh i want to hold that like what is that that is so cool like we get so many questions on social about our branding and you know what we just launched super garden which is a shampoo and conditioner and everybody's like where is that garden from like what is that and so right. I don't know, it causes a reaction what's um i love this topic uh, and because i think it's a big miss for a lot of salons yeah. um meaning not that they don't have you know they don't 
make a pretty space to work in, but I don't think they understand like the execution of a brand from start to finish as it relates to what does it look like, smell like, sound like our languaging verbiage. Mm -hmm. Where do you think the opportunity lies for a lot of salons that you've interacted with around branding? Well, the first thing is I can identify with that feeling of not being sure on where to get started. Branding is so important to R&Co. And it's not that it's foreign to me. I get it and I respect it and I love it. And that's why I gravitate toward this brand. Mm -hmm. But I'm certainly not an expert in branding. Um, I've spent a career learning how to work for the mass, right? Like that's really what my role was at Modern was audience, growth, traffic. And like, although we segmented our audience with owners, stylists, students, you know, when we present on social media, it was like, here's people at this comfort level. And then here's people just getting started in this nature versus nurture. And I'm still learning what it means to be part of the R&Co family and, and, and that branding and why it matters so much. And I see it and I'm speaking to people all the time. Our creative director, Amanda Wall, she designs all the packaging. She names every product. She's the first person to tell you branding isn't based on data or insights. It's just, it just is like, it's just, I know she knows the brand, like the back of her hand and she's an artist and she's just, so I learned from watching her and from listening to her. When I see the salon network and areas where, where I think there's room for improvement, like I'm always going to come at it from my angle of expertise, which is community driven and social driven and the messaging that they're putting out there um, through their, their social platforms. And I think that there's some missed opportunities with you walk into a salon and it's so sleek and it's so cool. And like, they have the right music and the right curated art. And, you know, their, their stylists like have a certain vibe about them. There's like a color scheme, you know, the business cards are on point. Their booking system is so high tech and like everything is so seamless. And then you go on their social page and it's like a cluster. Like you open up their Instagram and they have, you know, a father's day post yet we're in August or they have, last minute opening, but and I'm still seeing that, like, why am I still seeing it? It's just not cleaned up. It's just sort of a dumping ground because they're going through the motions. Like they're so busy and so invested. It's like social is an afterthought. When for me, I feel like social is the new Google search. If someone tells me to go check out this company, I want to go see what their social presence is. So for example, we, my husband and I um, just got all of his family's like video archives cassette tapes, reels, and we want to digitize them so that nothing happens. I think everyone's going through quarantine, like spring cleaning and like, right. you know, getting rid of boxes and, you know, going through different like piles of clutter. And so his mom wants to get rid of all these boxes because they take up a lot of space, but we want to digitize them. And so this company that he wants to send some of these precious mementos to has no social presence. And that freaks me out. I'm like, I don't trust a brand that's not seeing raving reviews on social or like active and engaging with people back and forth. So I feel like, I feel like it's a missed opportunity for salons to cut, to, to, to take advantage of every resource that's out there. Like you don't have to have constant updates to your website. Maybe it's not like you have a blog every day, but if you're not engaging with the community or what you're putting out there, isn't really like on brand with who you are. I'm weary of that. And I think that that's a myth. Are you leery of that because you're in the business or do you think that 
Um, do you think consumers are just as leery as you are as somebody who's in the industry? I think consumers are just just as aware of a brand's social presence as, as I am. My husband was the one who pulled up their Instagram page. And he doesn't have a Facebook. He took it down. He was like over it, like yeah. over Facebook. So he's active on Snapchat and Instagram. And he pulled them up on, on Instagram. And I will also say that if somebody who's not in the industry, let's say their first, um, their first experience with your brand is through a Google search, those social platforms are appearing at the top of the Google search too. So someone who's not like super fluent in social might be discovering your brand through a Google search, but they're coming across your page on Instagram before they're landing on your website. So even more reason to be active. I want to talk about the consumers because I think one of the things that we find in the hair industry and you know, with Chris and I, we work with our six managers because 150 plus stylists. One of the challenges that comes up is, especially for our newer talent is how do I get more clients? How do we get more people on our books? Right. And so, you know, if we're circling back, Branding is obviously hugely important because it's attractive to my eye. We base quality on the on the on how good your branding is and how good your social media is. But I wonder if the clients we get through social media are different than the clients that we get non through social media. I noticed that retention wise, if we're retaining clients, we retain clients better through a referral mm -hmm. than we do if they come to us because they saw your Instagram page. Mm -hmm. And if I'm asking why, and I'll ask you, first of all, am I making stuff up? Is that just an observation that I want to make, but it isn't accurate? And what, give me your thoughts on that. Uh, well, I want to add to that for a second, because you use the word segmenting mm -hmm. when you were talking about how you would, you know, back in the modern days when you would, and I, I, I wonder if this points to seg the opportunity for segmenting in our salon marketing, if you will. There's a couple things there that I want to touch on. The first being referral mm -hmm. based. I think you're spot on. I think whenever somebody gives you their recommendation or their referral, it just validates that decision. And like it, it, it adds this layer of when somebody gives you their referral and they give you their stamp of approval, it's that extra nudge that this is the right thing to do. And you, it's not even like the first time you see it. Sometimes it takes a couple of times. And I think that's obviously why like the influencer bubble got so gigantic. It was this endorsement and people have been endorsing for decades. Where I think, where I think social, I still think social plays a part in the referral process. So whether someone's stumbling upon your Instagram page or they're like, oh, my friend Jamie sent me, Right. Jamie might have sent you, but it was through Facebook. So it's like that personal referral, but it's because they po it came from social. Yeah. Like Jamie has great hair. You're in touch with Jamie. You're seeing Jamie. Jamie's hair always looks amazing. And then there's a quick comment. Who does your hair? You text later. So it's, it's coming, I still think, from social. Mm -hmm. But but it's, that, it's just that it's different. It's a different approach. It's versus stumbling upon something on Instagram versus that referral that might still be coming from Facebook. Well, you said it earlier. It's like... The, it's what a website would have been in the early 2000s. You know, you, you, you had to check out the website. And, and right. you know, I think salons our size, of course, have to have both. We have to have it all, you know, which is why we, we spend our time on that. I think it's, you know, as I'm listening, I'm just kind of what I'm pulling from this is that one of the opportunities maybe that's out there is 
dedicating some time to making sure whatever channels you're on, you're curating those in a way that reflect who you think you are or who you want to be, who your target clientele is. Now that we've had three months of shutdowns, some social unrest, some things like that, I'm curious about the tonality changes that you think might be important, if at all, um, as it relates to salons presenting themselves um, to the world via media? That's a hard question. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard because every day is different. And mm -hmm. where we're seeing, like what just happened in California with like lockdown, but you could do hair in a parking lot. Like maybe those California salons want to talk about air drying a lot more and providing their clients products so that they're air drying outside and then they send home the clients, you know, with products that are amazing for air dry. So, and then maybe there's some salons in different states where they're not even allowed to blow dry. And so they want to reduce in salon time or they want to um, restrict airflow, like with a blow dryer. So like more air drying becomes big. Um, and then one thing that's just exploding across the board, both in the pro market and the consumer market is um, at home hair color. And what do people do? Because the reality is we're still having a ton of eye contact. Mm -hmm. And if you've got like an inch or two of outgrowth, it, you feel terrible. Um, as a woman and you traditionally color your hair and you're on Zoom calls all day, when you don't feel good about yourself, all of a sudden your words don't come as naturally. Like I'm looking at my reflection right now and I'm like a with my hair I hate the way I look right now <laughs> you look my amazing coming as easily you know what I mean like it's just when you when you when you're feeling yourself and you can like it's just all of a sudden you're you're, di you're different versions of yourself throughout the day at least I am yeah. and so I can't imagine not even be able to look at myself because that's how badly I felt about my outgrowth or we have a product at R&Co called Bright Shadows. It's a root touch-up spray. It's just a temporary root concealer. It's like makeup for your hair. Mm -hmm. It has never seen higher sales sure. ever. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think giving your clients option to protect their color investment is huge right now because you might be able to get into the salon today, but who knows what next week is going to look like. So maintain their color, uh, both with color protecting shampoos and conditioners and stylers, but then also with like temporary options, like a root touch-up spray, giving them tools to, to make themselves look and feel good at home. Like when I, I started at R Co March 4th and a week later, the whole country just shut down. Right. I had a full head of extensions. Mm -hmm. I had gel manicure. Like I, thank God I was resourceful, but <laughs> I had to remove those extensions at home by myself. I had to get rid of the gel manicure and the gel manicure, like I'm used to picking those off. I think a lot of people are, <laughs> but <laughs> extensions, the extensions. Wow. I had to get creative there. And so, um, you know, when you're a salon and a lot of your business is reliant on like those services, whether it's like keratin treatments, extensions, gel manicures, mm -hmm. like you, you got to diversify and make sure that you're going to be, you'd be able to sustain your business if, if the door closes. And so, for us as a brand at R&Co, we pivoted and launched an affiliate program. And it might not have even been like totally ready to launch, but we knew salons needed it now. And so we launched it with really aggressive commissions for every product sold, salons get 40% commission and then payouts are every week. And it's direct deposit, which we knew was aggressive. Usually there's like a 30 day turnaround for payouts, but we're like, we got to do it fast. And so 
Um, I also think I'm hearing from a lot of salons that maybe were independent uh, stylists and they felt totally unsupported by the brands they work with the past few months. And they can't wait for business to resume so they can go running back to a commission-based salon where there is more support. And so we're seeing and learning and adapting and brands are still trying to figure it out. Everyone's just kind of like thinking on their feet. You know, you brought up something about, you know, um, independence moving back to commission salons. Um, I think that, you know, we hear news of commission salon, commission salon employees moving to independence, independence moving to commissions. Um, you know, unfortunately, some people have actually left the industry. Um, there's been, you know, some closings. I guess when I hear that independents want to move to a commission environment and you have commission environment people wanting to move to an independent, they're all looking for something, right? There's a lot of restlessness. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, I want to talk about the restlessness from, from your perspective and, you know, connecting with people on social media, you know, talk, talk about that restlessness a little bit. And what, what do you think people are looking for? Or what's, what's on top of mind for them right now? My experience right now so i was at modern salon for 12 years and that was very unusual especially for somebody my age to have been with a company for that long a lot of the people in my circle personally and professionally were bouncing around like every year or so um the opportunity to reinvent yourself is so available right now and so i think there's a lot of excitement about reinvention you know and I also am different in that I met my husband when I was 20, you know, so there were other people in my circles professionally and personally that are dating, 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 they're on apps, date, 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 and not settling down. So I don't know if I'm like bizarre or if there's just this line of demarcation somewhere that I'm on one side and everybody else is on the other but I also feel like there's this commitment foe because there's just so much out there. There's so much out there and you can work from home and work your, your parent company is based in a different state. There's access to technology. There's access, you know, all of these things are out there and everything is available to you at your fingertips. And like, we see people reinvent themselves all the time. I think everyone's also just looking for the chance to be authentically themselves. Agreed. I mean, and and I think and I think the agreement comes from both sides. I think you know, I mean, um, if you if you worked with us or a company like ours during the lockdowns, you you were pretty taken care of. You know, like you didn't have a lot of um, you didn't lose much night's sleep. In fact, uh, it was more of a party. Um, uh, If you didn't have the availability of resources, it was possibly the scariest time you know in your life and so freedom can lie on both you know both sides i think it's a human nature thing to mm-hmm. you know to 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 have that grass is greener thing and when you have a substantial i think the one thing that every a lot of people got not everybody did john and i worked the entire time but mm-hmm. but um that a lot of people got was a, a a hand a handout of time that you would have never gotten in your adult life usually and during that time, you know, the, the creative mind starts to work, right? I think that one of the, and I always come back to social media because that's what I like to talk about. So I'm sorry, I keep talking about it. No, but no, when, take it. When, I, when I first started in the industry, I was 21. Um, 
And there was this stat. It was like, after three years in the industry, whatever percentage it is, won't make 80%. it. 80%. People are going to drop out. 80%. And through the community efforts of platforms like Instagram, we're seeing people who would have otherwise dropped out stay connected mm-hmm. and stay engaged and keep the learning going and finding their space in the industry. So I think that's definitely helping. And again, I'm exposed to what I'm exposed to being in my home, not in a salon every day, but being connected to the community on social. And I'm seeing salons and stylists like, Oh, I can't wait to get back. I can't wait to do your hair. I want that creative expression. You know, I think I was talking to um, a couple people on the executive team at R and co. And they were talking about, can you even imagine the kind of music that's going to emerge from this lockdown from like those creative artists that are musicians? No, a ton of creativity. Um, I want to turn the tides a little bit and start to talk about the fact that we are open. Most, Mm -hmm. most states are now that we're past that time and it's been some time Mm -hmm. um, and we're starting to get a feel for what real business will feel like, you know, after the excitement of reopening, what, we've talked a lot about is the reemergence of foundational building rapport at your chair, the appointment cycle stuff we kind of put aside for a little while because, because social media was so top of mind for everybody, you know, up until February. Um, And now we're remembering that what happens at your chair is massively important. And I can affect that now more than ever with my words, with my attention, with my intention. I think there is a nice way of looking at this from like a parallel industry. On the community level, there's a restaurant down the road called Consume. And when their doors closed, they offered curbside pickup. And it was important to my husband that we continue to support their business. Yeah, we can make a burger at home, but if we could get the burger there, support their business because we're connected to them. We frequent their space all the time. Mm-hmm. We stayed connected with them and we did curbside pickup. It would have been awesome if they were on like DoorDash or one of the apps where I didn't have to call and like talk to somebody. And like, you know, you've got right. kids running around and there's so much going on. We've talked about this before together. I like the convenience of being able to do something online, like through Uber Eats, DoorDash, like if you have to call a taxi versus just going on Uber, it's so much easier to just go on Uber. So one thing that would have made that experience even better was if I could do it through an app and not have to actually talk to somebody too. So I think like making it convenient and easy for your clients to book with you and rebook with you and purchase products from you. So affiliate marketing is huge. I think that's going to be critical moving forward that you make it easy for your clients to shop through you. If you say, Oh, shop through my link, but you're not giving them the exact link for them to shop through. They're just going to Google it. Mm -hmm. So you need to have that link in your bio. You need to have it on your Facebook post. You need to have it on your website. You need to talk about it on your voicemail. You need to constantly be reminding people how easy it is to shop through you, but you have to make it, don't send them on a scavenger hunt to try to support your business. Make it nice and easy. The technology has to be there. Dude, I bet you're thinking the same thing I can, but can we get on DoorDash? Like, could you imagine if you could order your hair products through DoorDash? So we've been talking about that with Postmates. Um, As a brand, we've been encouraging salon owners to connect with Postmates and get products delivered through that. Say that again, Post what? Mates, Postmates. Postmates. 
You're wicked smart too. Well, it came from Allison. We got to credit Allison for this whole. <laughs> and it came, it, and it came from Dan Linger, the president of Arnco. He was the one that recommended that. You know, he's, we have Super Garden, which is a CBD shampoo and conditioner. And he's like, how can we partner with the local dispensaries and get Super Garden mm -hmm. CBD shampoo and conditioner at the dispensaries? You know, and can we do some kind of marketing there? You know, and he's all about this block party mentality on the community level. And how do you how do you take something like a product and turn it into an experience? You know, there's a Dunkin' Donuts down the road from my house, and they sell uh, Dunkin' Donut kits. And it's instead of just six donuts with the frosting and the sprinkles, you get the donuts. They're plain, and it comes with the frosting, and it comes with the sprinkles. And all of a sudden, you're not just going through the drive-through and buying your kids donuts. You're buying them an activity, and you've turned a donut into like a craft. So how can we do that with like hair products? What can you do? Can you partner with the local yoga studio? Can you do like a, like a wine and curl night? Can you do, what can you do to create this experience that benefits you as the salon owner? It entrenches you with a community company's following and their audience. How do you guys cross promote to create that kind of block party effect? Why not turn one of those apps, Postmates as an example, into something where it goes across, imagine like beauty dash i don't know i'm making shit up now but you know it's it's um could be really interesting beauty dash? yeah beauty dash i don't know can i, mean, I say i knew you win yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> interesting stuff for sure so i mean now that we're kind of looking at those new service opportunities and i agree my brother i'll tell this story because i think it's worthwhile for the listener my brother has a very busy barbershop in Philadelphia. Spider-Man, by the way, was my favorite um, superhero as a, <laughs> as a Allison's drinking from a Spider-Man cup. Um, so um, I once handmade a Spider-Man outfit, just so you know, when I was 12. <laughs> just so everybody here can picture it. A little I just want to know that <laughs> yeah. you swing from any chandeliers in the house or anything. I um, fell so hard one time off of a branch <laughs> that I couldn't breathe for five minutes. So... <laughs> Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. Uh, that's so funny. Um, <laughs> so back, what was I just back talking about? Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. I know I was about to say something important. My brother's barbershop. My brother's barbershop. Um, he's been a barber in Philly for the close to 30 years. He's, you know, we always have these conversations, these banters around. And he's a very busy, they have a very busy barbershop. Corona shut down finally forced him to go online and to online booking appointments and the freedom that he is experiencing not having 15 angry philadelphians waiting on him all all day long is he's like i feel like i didn't even work today and i did as many guys as i would usually do right. but i don't have 15 people sitting staring at me you know in the front room and um he and my two nephews work in there and it's when you would walk into the place before I, I used to probably say this to you many times. I hated walking in that building, not because it wasn't a really cool place, because I could feel the eyes look at you go, oh no, I'm, I was here first. You know what I mean? You could feel it. And now the experience is completely different. And he says, the clients love it. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm formulating a question around this, um, he knows now that he was just afraid to make the change. Mm -hmm. He was just afraid to make the change. I think the, sh the shutdowns have given all of us the opportunity, like you said, to make a change. 
Um, what other low hanging fruit changes besides, you know, connecting like that? Yeah. Or maybe we, and is online booking as accessible? Is it, you know, I feel like we go back and forth on that. You know, I, I'll touch a base on the online booking because yeah. you know, Allison brought that up that she loves the convenience. You know, I love the taxi thing, right? Would I rather, or, you know, would I, would I rather get a ride on Uber because I can just push a couple of buttons as opposed to picking up the phone and making yeah. a phone call? Yeah, I'm at this corner. I'm not really sure what corner I'm on. Blah, I, blah, 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 I blah, still blah. feel like it's not perfectly refined yet. Well, here's, here's you know, we'll ask Allison, but I was listening to a podcast the other day. Uh, somebody else's podcast yeah. and one of the um, persons they the person they were interviewing was like no 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 we're not going to do online booking because we want their words an elevated experience and i don't see that as an elevated experience where <laughs> i want to be able to talk to the client about what their needs are i want to i want to have a conversation i want to have a conversation was the important part okay and i feel as though the conversation part's missing and if i'm synopsizing industry as a whole yeah i think that's where the challenge lies right for some of us we want that that convenience of online booking for some owners there's still a belief that it's not an elevated experience and so they're not going to do it and like you said we're back and forth back and forth yeah. back and forth yeah. and then, then somebody like your brother shows up and turns his thing into oh he said it's the best thing that's ever happened yeah so I'll say, I'm gonna i don't know i feel like when you were talking chris Sorry, what were you going to say? Said, we're going to let you talk now. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. When, when you were talking, Chris, like about the overall like tension of walking into your brother's barber shop and people giving you dagger eyes like, hey, man, I was here first. Like, no way. I feel that in line at the grocery store when you approach like the deli counter. And if they don't, if people aren't taking the yes. numbers, I'm like, you better take the number. Yes. I don't want to sit here with full of anxiety. Like, take the number. I don't care if you're the only person in line. Take the number because then yeah. I know here we go. So like. If I had, I, I feel like it removes that anxiety. However, there is a sense of control with being writing stuff down too. So like the idea of like using software, handwriting your books, I still write everything down for some reason that gives me like that control. Like if I have deadlines, I, I write them in my, my planner. If I have, you know, if I'm taking notes on something, it's easier for me to write it down sometimes because I'm also a visual learner where if I've written it down, I tend to remember it. So I think there's something there with like some sense of control when you're like handwriting appointments and moving things around and erasing them and like controlling it. And then also to add a layer, people have been doing some crazy stuff to their hair at home, like yeah. crazy stuff. Like they're, they're, they might've been on lockdown for one week and all of a sudden they're like using yeah. home hair color or cutting off bangs. It's like, it's only been a week. Like yeah. you'll be okay. Yeah. Um, so I feel like online booking is hard because you have no idea what that client has done while you were gone. Like right. did, did they use like crazy hair color? Did they um, use horrible products that, stripped their hair or had all this filled up like what exactly has happened and what are, so I understand like this this anxiety about online booking when it comes to like not knowing what you're going to be facing in the appointment and not booking enough time yeah so I totally get it I totally get it I think that there's a lot of value with being like a tech savvy salon and, and maybe online booking isn't the way but um I got to tell you, it's really annoying when my phone rings over and over again. Like literally as I'm on the phone with you, my phone has rang three different times and it's my doctor's office calling to confirm my appointment. Send me a text. Let me send a Y if I confirm or an N if I don't <laughs> confirm. Like don't make me answer the phone. Yeah. Like we're busy. 
No, it's true. We've actually started doing we when we came back, we yeah, we, we launched yeah, yeah. Textel and we we started doing that and it was you know, it was a it's as all these things are, they're always wonky in the beginning, but once it's, you know, running smoothly, it's a system that you that you're really happy with. Well, guys, I can't believe it. I mean, I'm looking at the time. I think we touched on a lot of great um, yeah, it was a really fast hour. Um, yeah, I'm like really sad about that. I feel like we're just finding our pacing. It, yeah, too, so. it's well, I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's just so much that has happened. I know I keep saying that, but it, but if you just go outside or go to the grocery store, you re-remember again. Oh yeah, I have to, you know, wear this before I go in, or I have to, you know, and so we're all getting our feelers and, and from a, from being in the salon perspective, I, I think John was sharing something that's very real in our organization. Um, we just had meetings um, scheduled at all six salons for the last, um, last two weeks. And the, the point of the meeting was a touch base with how are you? It was, it was almost a big hug to the company. Um, but that initial response, but I can't wait to get back behind a chair. That was very real on social. Mm. Once people have gotten back, they are very much still trying to find their groove. Yeah. And while there are moments and the Instagram still reflects that, Hey, I did this beautiful blonde. Hey, look at this balayage. Mm. This is amazing. There's the conversation is still, as John would say, heavy. Um, and that, you know, we're still really nurturing our people to come back. So I think there's a, another conversation. I think there's a lot more in the next six months. I think we're going to learn as much um, about this yeah. in the next six months as we, as we did in the last six, um, because it's still new. I mean, I think the world is so used to having historical facts to go back on and go, oh, well, when this happened and blah, 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 blah this is what it was, but we don't really have that. Now you can't compare this to the Spanish flu. They didn't have Instagram back then and business was different. You know, you can't, I was only four. and you were only four. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, so you really can't compare it, you know, I'm not a history person, so I don't know if that's a joke or a real thing. Oh, no. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, so, you know, but so you, so not a joke. Just yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. Not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but you but you do not make him laugh again allison he is literally gonna blow my eardrum out right now i mean oh, no. my eardrum is, i'm oh, deaf no. in the right ear right now um but um so i just think there's a lot you know to cover and i, I see 102 is that right 102 yeah. yeah you look good Thanks. you look good my um with with that said yeah. um first of all what are you pulling away from today's conversation uh, first of all i it's the second time we've um, podcast with Allison, but I, I have loved both, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think what Allison brings to the table is he, she brings us an opportunity to look at things that as salon owners, stylists, even cosmetology students, we may not have an eye into that world, right? Understanding why branding is so important. And heck, if you're an independent, you're going to be branding yourself. This yeah. isn't just for salons, yeah. right? It isn't for you know six multi-location you know operations like ours. I think that's one of the most obvious things, right? Yeah. If you're independent, you're a self-employed style, you're a business. You're, you've got to find a way to brand yourself, to have people emotionally tied to you beyond just my relationship with you, but the imagery I put out into the world too. Um, you know, I like talking about how social media is still an important, you know, still 
is going to be for the long term a really important way that we connect with people, that we grow our businesses, that we let people know how we're doing and, and what our world looks like. Uh, and I think it's always important to talk about how social media isn't the only tool in your toolbox, it's one of many, right? And it's no longer do I or do I not, it's how do I connect it with other things? How do I connect social media to my to my branding? How do I connect social media to my, you know, attempt to get referrals? How do I connect my social media to how you book an appointment online? Mm -hmm. um, the apps that you use, all of that. I think Allison brings that connectivity mm -hmm. that we're all still trying to figure out mm -hmm. to the table. And, and I, that's why I like hanging out with her. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Allison, um, anything you feel like we're leaving on the table or just, you know, kind of some words you want to leave the audience with? I feel like because of the power of influencers in this industry that when we say social media, there's a tendency to think influencer, but so much of where I've seen salons have success on social media is thinking community driven, local, small, not big time influencer connecting with brands and getting paid to do posts and you know, going on these big influencer trips. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm mm -hmm. talking about connecting with the community digitally. And the best way to do that is through social media. On Facebook, I'm seeing way more of like a community effort where on Instagram, yes, community driven, but it's also so big. And you could be talking to somebody in Berlin for all you know, where Facebook, it's more local. And there are private groups um, that are very community driven where connection is happening so frequently and it's there's groups for everything I'm sure you've seen the Facebook commercials where there's like a kazoo group there's like a zebra lovers group there's like groups for everything and the groups that I'm a part of are my local area my city I'm in a group for parents um, of kids my my kids age um and like the the graduating class of 2033 like a group there um i'm in a group where like there's just it's, it's about like that local effort and so that's where i found out about the dunkin donuts with the activity kit is through one of those facebook groups people were posting about it and I'm like, oh this is so cute this is so cute you know i found out consume that restaurant we like to go to is open um for curbside through facebook and so even though even though I was already connected, I feel like you're able to reach more people through those efforts when you're active and engaged and you're, you're, you're celebrating your big fans. And, you know, this guy Raj who owns the Dunkin Donuts, I've never met him, but I know his name because people are constantly celebrating him in these like little Facebook groups. And so when I talk about social, I'm talking about community when it comes to a salon owner. Yes, you could have different goals like the influencer level and connecting with brands and making money and, you know, no longer being at a salon, but like doing hair for posts. Like there's so many different goals you can have through social, but the real impact you have right now is, is really connecting with your community digitally. Every time we have one of these conversations, I walk away with a little bit more than I knew before I came in. And I love that about these podcasts. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, we also walk away with a lot of gratitude to our listeners. You know, we, we, we're watching those listens go up. There, we, we hate to ask, but we know there's a few things we need to ask for. I don't hate asking. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Hey, for those of you who haven't heard me ask before, five-star reviews. 
You got the phone in your hand. It's down by your lap. I don't care where it is, but it's not that far away from you. Five-star reviews. You know you want to do it. You know you love this podcast. Share it with the world because every time you create a five-star review, an angel gets his his wings. (laughs) Yeah. And while that angel is getting his wings, it helps us move up, um, you know, and helps us get more noticed in the podcast world, helps share the message. And if you're really being served by this, which we hope you are, um, you know, we'd love for you to share that with some other salon owners. The other thing we're going to ask you to do is to follow us on Instagram at 124.go as well as Facebook. We're going to get more active on our Facebook page. And so if you're a Facebooker, then uh, follow us on Facebook at 124.go. And um, if you're a grammar, please tag us in your stories and we'll do the same uh, in ours. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. Bye.